0: Poking around online yesterday, I came across a video highlighted by a blogging bishop, yes, some of them blog, entitled, What People Really Think, Jesus vs. Christians. The video is a series of shortcuts about people on the streets of Chicago saying what they think about Jesus, and then what they think about Christians. And you can probably imagine the stark contrast in the responses. Jesus was pretty well respected for being one amazing guy. But Christians, well, we get the raw end of the stick. Accused us of being backwards, of out of touch, of preaching, true,
1: uneducated,
0: extreme, fanatical, overly conservative, hoping for something we'll never get. Well, you get the picture, He gets the picture. So in light of that, it's of attempting to start nursing a persecution complex. Alan Wilson, who is Bishop of Buckingham in the Church of England, wrote this response to the video on his blog. He said, good news is that 2,000 years into the resurrection, many people actually get it about Jesus, in spite of the distorting glass Christians have so often been in our blindness folly, and fallen nature. Bad news is that the distorting glass is often bottle green and six foot thick. And then he goes on to quote a line from Paul. We preach Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Really? Bishop Allen asks. How? A good question for Eastertide, at least it seems to me. Questions for us as a parish family and a part of the world where we know that claiming our Christianity is probably not likely to win us any popularity contests. Questions for us as people on a journey, an Easter journey. The label Christian displaces us somehow if it doesn't disquiet us. Maybe it should. We find ourselves often at a loss to describe in positive terms our own peculiar brand of Christianity, something we generally call Anglicanism. We find it easier to describe what we are not, caught as we sometimes feel between Christianities of inerrant biblical fundamentalism on the one side and scandal-ridden hierarchies on the other. By claiming our life as Christians, we find ourselves a bit out of place in the wider world. And of course, a bit ashamed in the ways we fall short, which we are always bound to do, at the example of our beloved Christ. Jesus is found a bit out of place in today's gospel. In some ways it seems about as far from Easter as he could get. It is winter, it is the feast of the dedication, more familiarly known to most of us as Hanukkah. They are commemorating the rebuilding of the altar and the rededication of the temple when in 164 BC, Jewish rule over Jerusalem was reclaimed by Judas Maccabeus from a tyrannical Seleucid king. That Jesus is at the temple during this celebration and in Solomon's portico, a porch named for the ancient great wise king of Israel might suggest to us that expectations are running high when people outside of his circle of disciples surround him and ask him directly about whether or not he is the Messiah. And the author of John makes it clear their question is not simply one to satisfy idle curiosity. It comes with challenge. First of all, to question anyone publicly in the first century world meant challenging that person's honor. And secondly, John's Greek is even a bit more disgruntled than our translators let on. Literally, the question reads, how long do you take our life from us? An idiomatic expression that might mean, how long will you provoke us? It's easy to imagine the crowds are hoping cynically or anxiously or both that this provocateur, this Jesus believes himself to be the latest Judas Maccabeus. Maybe they hope he will throw the Romans out and restore the line of King David and his son Solomon. Or maybe if they're feeling cynical, he's a pretender and will simply die in a foolish attempt at revolution. that Jesus doesn't come quite clean and say whether or not he fits the messianic bill is galling enough. But Jesus' answer to their heated question, his answer about sheep, and his being one with the Father, provokes them to violence. In the following verses, the crowd prepares to stone him for blasphemy. You could say the scene bears witness to what we might call a Christian paraphrase of a rather famous Zen teaching. You've probably heard it. If you meet the Buddha on the road, kill him. For the crowds of today's gospel and for us it might be, if you meet God in the temple, kill him. Jesus knows that simply proclaiming himself Messiah will get him no traction with anyone. If we must ask him whether or not he's the Messiah, we have not arrived as far as faith goes. If we do not recognize his voice and follow him, we clearly do not see him as a Messiah, no matter what he might do or say about himself. Instead, we might see him as someone else, someone other than the Savior of the world, and the shepherd of our souls. In our worst moments, we might see him as a charlatan or a magician. Maybe he's just a charismatic guy with some slightly weird ideas about his relationship with God. Maybe as a great teacher and healer, distorted by the imperfect eyes or rose-tinted spectacles of his own followers. Or as C.S. Lewis once retorted, maybe we must regard him simply as a crazy guy. At any rate, we might think we have an imposter of some kind like the crowds did. And Jesus merely claiming himself to be Messiah probably won't help that judgment much at all. On the other hand, as Tevier is fond of saying in Fiddler on the Roof, the Zen teaching also reminds us in all of its own provocative irony, the moment we think we have figured out the Messiah, that is, the moment we think we know exactly what the Messiah is about, the moment we encapsulate the mystery of who Jesus is in an idea or a notion of the way things should be, the instant we think we are certain of God's will and the working out of our salvation, well, we are in very deep spiritual trouble. And it is true, we Christians can be very good at that. Over many centuries, we've thought it periodically that we've gotten it buttoned down pretty well, thank you very much, and it gets us in tremendous trouble. If you meet the Messiah in church... Maybe we need to remember, too, that if you meet the perfect Christian sitting in the pew next to you, or if you find the perfect Christian community on the road to church, well, let me know. Christ's messianic identity is not rooted in doing what others expect of him or meeting their notions of messianic perfection, nor is it rooted in arrogantly laying claim to the title of Messiah. Plenty of people were doing that in the first century. Nor is it in establishing the perfect community. God knows he was not leading perfect disciples. Rather, Jesus' messianic identity and our identity as imperfect Christians and as an imperfect Christian community is rooted in no small part in a radical kind of faith that the world can barely recognize. It's a faith that's based on trust and hope and a willingness, a willingness to follow, to follow this God through death and resurrection and inviting others to join in that journey. And that trust, hope, and willingness to follow depends, just as Jesus' identity depended not so much on what we claim about ourselves or even about Jesus for that matter, but ultimately on our actions. Jesus says to the crowds and to us, the works that I do in my Father's name testify to me. After all, we read from the Acts of the Apostles this time of year during Eastertide. It's not called the thoughts of the Apostles or even the teachings of the Apostles, although they did teach. But like Peter's Acts in raising Tabitha this day, they are active, faithful, salient, relevant embedded in life and community and all the touch and the push and the pull and grit of relationship. In short, whatever they think or teach is always rooted in action. And while those acts are not perfect, they change the world. My sisters and brothers, the disconnect between Jesus and Christians isn't about our imperfections or our annoying lapses and errors or even our own hypocrisy, many they may be. The disconnect is the arrogance in assuming Jesus is too good to mingle our faults and edges with his blood too good to be amongst the broken with the broken bread that points to the broken body on the cross. The truth that we lay claim to is that Jesus is so good, so good that God is fully among us wayward souls leading us on our imperfect pilgrimage Plumbing the depths of our darkest moments and gathering us out of the tombs into resurrected life, remaking us on the way. There are far worse things than our being judged one thing against Jesus' standards. The fact that people on the streets of our contemporary cities can talk well of Jesus is good news, it's gospel full stop. Our reputation as Christians might need some work, but that's ultimately in God's gracious hands too. Now, isn't that what we believe? We are called by Jesus today, sheep. Sheep follow, sheep move sheep in their own woolen way act. They don't sit around and make up stories about themselves or fancy theologies about their shepherd all day. They don't wait for the perfect weather conditions or the right demographics or the best tasting grass or the coolest stream. They jostle and they push, they pull and they bray. They listen with active ears seeking out the voice of their shepherd They get muddled sometimes, like all of God's creatures. They are vulnerable, sometimes obnoxious. They are loving, and sometimes a little bit cold, depending upon their moods. We are called by our God in Christ to be like sheep, doing our own best in our own woollen ways, to follow a shepherd. The life of faith is a life of courage, of stepping out and stepping forward in love, sometimes into darkness like the valley of the shadow of death, sometimes onto green pastures when there is plenty with sunshine. Sometimes we are chastened by rod and staff, comforted at other times. But always the good shepherd's grace is there to keep us on the path, on the way. We are chastened by that shepherd and sent forth a people, as we say, forgiven, healed, renewed, raised up in the resurrection, at work, getting our imperfect hands dirty for God in Christ, dirty with compassion and peace and justice, setting aside the arrogance of claiming we know and embracing the uncertainty of not knowing the uncertainty of life-altering relationship. Searching beyond mere claims of knowledge, loving far beyond mere sentiment. Tossing worry about our reputation as Christians aside, standing up and saying, yeah, we think Jesus is a great guy too. Why? Why? because we hear his voice, the voice of the Good Shepherd. We do our best to follow that voice wherever it may lead us. How? Well, we'll show you. This has been a sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at oursavionv.org. That's O U R. S-A-V-I-O-U-R M-V for Mill Valley dot O-R-G. We wish you God's peace and we hope to greet you in person very soon.